Welcome to the Pious, the Pig, and the Podcast. I'm Colby Mitchell. And I'm Davis Pig. Welcome to our uh, season finale of our, our podcast where I try to teach Davis a little something about Catholicism and he makes fun of me for it. Davis, what's going on? Oh man, just uh, really excited for this season finale. Yes. We're really just going to hammer that home. <laughs> so uh, for the listeners at home, we're, we have decided to have a bit of a different format to our podcast because, you know, Colby has this uh, bright family life, you know, kids running around and, and I have video games. Uh, so our schedules don't always match up. They, so, they uh, don't always match up. And also it is cutting into, uh, you know, our uh, Davis and my video game time that we play together as well. It does. So, it uh, does. Colby and I used to have a weekly date to play FIFA. <laughs> and uh, Now we're doing this. And, and the, supplanted by the podcast. For yeah. you people. Yeah. The things we do for the fans. <laughs> I tell you what, our fan is sh- very appreciative, I'm sure. Did you say our fans? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, this, yeah, so this is going to be the last one we do in 2022. Uh, and we're going to get back going uh, in January, kind of take a little Christmas break uh, as we round out the year. Just, uh, you know, my I was telling you, I, I don't think I told you this earlier, but, you know, the family's been sick, but we made it two weeks in a row with nobody missing school. And then is that a record? It was a record for this this school year. Yes. Uh, And then on Friday, we picked up the oldest from school and he was happy as a lark. And by the time we pulled into the driveway, he looked like death, took him to the doctor. He had strep throat. Luckily, he's Mm. finally old enough that he could get the antibiotic shot instead of 10 days of of liquid uh, oral antibiotics. And. Mm. We say, wait, isn't strep a virus? Why, why are they giving him antibiotics? Okay, it's not antibiotic. Whatever it is, the steroid, whatever. Antiviral. Antiviral. Yeah. There you go. I'm not there a doctor. Yeah. What do you want from me? Uh, but then yesterday, got a call from the school and said, hey, Declan's got a bad fever. And we went, great. So we mm-hmm. took him to the doctor and he had flu. So back to back, strep and then flu. Oh my God. Uh, and because so many people have gotten the flu this year, there's no Tamiflu anywhere in any of the pharmacies in town. So we called uh, my, I guess he's my uncle-in-law, and uh, he's a pharmacist, and he said, I have one bottle left that I was about to give to somebody, but it's yours. Come on and get it. Like, oh, thank goodness. I was about to say, don't don't admit to any uh, pharmacy, uh, I don't know. Malpractice? malpractice. (laughs) Yeah, no. Just a... Yeah, hold that for me. Run in. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, ooh, thank goodness, because he's he's right as rain today. It, Tamiflu is a miracle drug. And with with as much as your kids get sick, I bet you your, your medicine cabinet is just like full Stockpile. of the good stuff. Stockpile, like definitely definitely hitting your house when the the apocalypse comes. <sighs> the problem is they go through it all because they stay sick. So we're like, they, do y'all need a, a refill on this? Nope, we're going to save that money. We got it in the bank over here. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, it's been super fun. But it's just, as you get further into uh, parenthood, you realize this is just normal, normal life. Kids stay sick, especially if you got two of them this young of age in school. Work. I was about to say, I feel like it has a lot to do with the age. I don't know what it is with like young kids. I'm sure there's some science behind that. 
like you know developing immune systems but well it's also yeah, they no. are little kids are really bad at washing their hands like they'll wash their hands because they're told to but actually scrubbing their hands is very poor as well if you're not yeah. watching them so anyway how's things going in uh up in the the mountains of the mountains they're they're cold they're very cold how are you yeah dealing with that I don't know how do you big, like it i don't know oh yeah no i'm a cold weather pig you know that like i'm super excited for the cold weather i like it too yeah it's it is burning up in this house right now because my wife hates the cold hey i I was about to say your wife um yeah but i I think you can just say generally wives hate the cold that's true uh you know uh i got a window open right now in the office with all the doors closed so that i could have one room where it's nice and chilly so do i (laughs) i have my i have my window cracked in my office yep no uh that was a anniversary present for the significant other uh, I did this year. It's like a giant, oversized, like fleece-lined hoodie. Nice. It's uh, it's kind of one of those as seen on TV things, I think. Mm. But uh, it's it's not like oh, it's an extra large. No, it's just stupid big. <laughs> like, like it comes up to like it comes down to her like like knees. Uh, but it was a. This is a good investment, like forty bucks. The like. the Christmas present of the season last year that I gave was a Snuggie. Huh. Let me tell you, the Snuggie, like actual branded Snuggie material, feels super cheap. Still okay. going for nineteen ninety nine on oh, TV wow. or whatever. And but <laughs> that's about yeah. And with inflation, that's even worse. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh gosh, what was I gonna say? Um, no, my uh, my go to was an OBD reader last year. Everyone got one. What is an OBD reader? So, like, you know when your car throws a code? Oh, oh sorry, whenever you have, like, a check engine light? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The computer in your car is, like, so when you take it in, they say, oh, you know, this is what it means. Uh, they read the code that that computer throws. Well, you know, this is a tip for everyone at home as well. Um, to do that, there's, like, a little plug under your dash to read that. And they might charge you, like, I've had them try to charge me, like, 90 bucks to read codes. Uh an OBD reader, like Omega, Delta, Beta reader, o- OBD. That's ODB. I'm a, um, oh, oh, my God. I messed <laughs> it up again. Anyway, OBD reader. Um, is uh, It's like 30 bucks on Amazon. Oh. And so I got everyone, everybody one. Just throw it. You throw it in the glove compartment. Forget about it. But, like, the second that car throws a code, you know, you're on a trip or something, and you need to know whether you can like keep right keep driving like, is it a bad thing uh you just plug it in see the code i think the 30 dollar one i got it, like it doesn't tell you all the stuff but it'll it'll give you the code number and all you have to do is like google it and it's like okay it's this 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 hmm. that would have been useful yeah. when uh you and i broke down on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere in the appalachian mountains yeah yeah no. that did that inspire oh, man, that purchase in the first I wouldn't place. say inspired. It definitely influenced it. Uh, but, or you know, it's just you. Or you can just be like me, who uh, I ne- I don't think I've ever not had a check engine light on. But like, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's you know, you just plug it in. And you're like, oh, that doesn't hurt nothing. Yeah. Like I have like a evaporation sensor in my gas system going bad, and it's like this throws a code for it. But guess what? I've put like thirty thousand miles on the vehicle since that code and was thrown, and it's fine. And uh, 
Yeah, oh, it runs just fine. Nice. No change in performance. Yeah. Well, good deal. All right, well. So that's enough car talk. <laughs> well, we are going to finish up uh, to as we round out this season. Uh, uh, we're going to finish our talk on the sacraments. We've gotten through uh, the first three, the, the sacraments of initiation being baptism, confirmation, and the Eucharist. Today we've got the, the sacraments of healing, which are penance and reconciliation uh, and anointing of the sick. And then we also have uh, the sacraments at the service of communion is what they're called as the sacrament of holy orders, so those that are ordained priest, basically, and uh, the sacrament of matrimony of, of married people. So, uh, gotcha. so we're going to figure out how to become a warrior of Christ. Sorry if you can't hear me. I was taking off my jacket. Yes. Yeah. So we're going we're gonna to figure out today how to become a warrior of Christ, get those holy orders. I wonder Correct. if they called them that when they went on the Crusades. Holy Order? No, because they were mostly laymen. Wait, really? That went on the Crusades? Yeah, it was mostly uh, young lay people. Or y- l- felt... lay men. Yeah, I feel like I knew that. Yeah. Because the other kicker, too, just... is, hey, there's there was... Uh, it was a the time of the crusades there was a lot of young men who were unmarried uh and then also there was not a whole lot of money going around so they you know that was an easy it was a lot easier choice to be like hey we're gonna answer the pope's call because we are broke and without family it's a lot easier to just kind of uproot your life and head on for a crusade it's one of the reasons they were actually able to happen is because of the demographics of the day but anyway yeah if you're going down to the tavern and everyone's like you know no hey jim they probably wouldn't jim but uh (laughs) jim yeah you want to go on this crusade and you're like well i could stay here you know i could go there get a sword or i could stay here and like look at sheep for a living exactly yeah or my last sheep finally got eaten might as well go you know defend jerusalem whatever it might be (laughs) yeah when was the last crusade I have no idea. You found me. You got me down a rabbit hole. Take it down. I'm sure. I'm sure I'll do a. Uh, I'm sure I'll do like a, a history thing, on the Crusades one of these days. That, just because they're interesting. <laughs> like we we definitely need to go through because Crusades are one of those things that nobody really understands. Of, hey, why did they happen and when did they happen and what actually happened and what's the. Like we need the whole history background so we can get into the the uh, moral uh, Catholic teaching part of that as well. Mm-hmm. There's just a wealth of information through those. But anyway, I'll send you some good books. I actually got some good books on those that I've been reading on. It's fascinating. It looks like uh, they kind of they went on between year uh, 1095 and somewhere up to like the 1500s. Which is seems pretty recent. I mean, in the church there's history, there's a there's literally a uh, there's a link on the Wikipedia called the Popular Crusades. I don't know if they're completely popular, but yeah, <laughs> interesting. But yeah, Colby, what are we talking about today? Talking about the sacraments. Let's uh, and we'll dive into the sacraments of healing. So the the like we talked about, everything revolves around the Eucharist. That's what we talked about last uh, mm. last podcast is how everything that we do as Catholics is centered around the Eucharist and that we have stipulations before we can receive the Eucharist is we have to have, be baptized. We have to have a, a clean soul. We can't uh, 
come with a mortal sin and present ourselves before God in the Eucharist to receive it. So I mean, you can try, and and you can physically, but he, oh, 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 he okay. or she who uh, eats or drinks in vain eats and drinks judgment upon themselves, according to somewhere in the Bible that I don't know off the top of my head which chapter and verse, but. That, that is a question I, I should have asked last time. was like, what happens if you do? Like, I have a feeling you don't burst in the flame. No. But, uh, it is a grave sin, and if you do it with full knowledge that it is the sin that you're committing when you go there, it's just like anything else. It can send you to hell, uh, and mm. it needs to be repented of. So the way you would do that and the way you would repent of these sins uh, is through the sacrament of reconciliation. So... That is the one that scares every Catholic, the thought of going to confession. Uh, I don't know if it scares people. I mean, I'm not scared of confession. Well, I definitely was as a kid. But, like, I think it's just like it's just like a judgment thing. You're just like, yeah. Like, I feel like someone else is judging me kind of thing. But, but I mean, as I'm sure you'll get into, I mean, it's... Quite literally, the opposite. Right, yeah. right. So, and for for judgment to happen, there'd be justice, and justice would be you getting what you deserve. What you encounter in reconciliation is mercy, which is letting that what you deserve be uh, stricken from the record, and and letting that grace wash over you, where you are clean and. You're it's good like throwing to go. up after drinking, like I thrown up after a hard night of drinking. You're just getting the bad out. Getting the bad. That, that's actually not a bad uh, analogy because you're getting the bad out. You still feel terrible because you send you send beforehand. You got the bad out. Mm-hmm. You still feel bad, but you're better off for it. Right. You still feel bad because you know there's still consequences to our actions. It's. it's mm-hmm. We have a human part to it where it still hurts. Do you still have the same mentality? This is actually a spot-on analogy that I just stumbled <laughs> upon. But like, yeah, and you still have that same, uh, you the same mentality as you are. You're getting the bad out. You're like, I'm never gonna do this again. <laughs> Guess what? You're definitely yeah. gonna do it again. <laughs> well, and it's it's also you can't. The goal is to get all the bad out so that you are primed and ready to put more grace in. So maybe next time you think about what you're putting in your body beforehand. Maybe go eat a carrot. Go get you some hydrate. potato. Hydrate. Get some water in you. Uh, you know, it's that that is what it's trying to do is trying to uh, prime you to receive the graces that God gives you. Um, so so that's I love the sacrament of confession. Once you get into a groove of doing it regularly, you're like. It's a lot easier to go, hey, I screwed up, and I keep screwing up, and I, I just am a human being, and that's what keeps happening. But luckily, I can go and receive all the graces and, and have that behind me and not have to worry about it. Um, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> and I'm still I'm still thinking of uh, funny things with that. But uh, but yeah, here, here's the, like, the, the short tweet of the episode. It's, uh, yeah, a hard night drink. Oh, yeah. What confessions a lot like a hard night drinking? If you do cocaine beforehand, it's going to be a lot worse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> not wrong. Uh, but the 
the reason, so, so one, this is one of those defining sacraments that Catholics have that Protestants don't, right? This is not some, mm-hmm. Protestants aren't going to confession with a priest. Do they, do they have any sort of analog? Uh, according to my wife, the biggest equivalent, at least for the Baptist, is you have accountability buddies, is what they called them when she was in high school. Basically, you have a close friend that's in the church that, you know, you discuss your sins with and, and be like, hey, here's what I've done wrong to hold you accountable to do better in the future. Uh, but their their idea is, hey, I'm just going to pray to God and, and all is well in the behind How- the room. How awkward is the accountability buddy in high school? I doubt many people actually do it. But say, but like, I'm not gonna call up my friend, and be like, "Hey, chief, just watched like a lot of porn." Yeah, like, like, a, like, a, just a mess of it. Like, like, uh, I probably won't do it again. I will but, send uh, you the links. Here's everything that I went through. Yeah, what specific sites so I can avoid them? <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. Yeah. So, so that is uh, that. That's the biggest equivalent, but that doesn't swing it to bring you. It, it, you can certainly, when you are a, if you're a Catholic and you have sinned and done something wrong, the first thing you should do is go, "Hey, God, I messed up. Forgive me for this sin. I will make it to confession as as quickly as possible." Part of it, when you get uh. Uh, of why you go to confession is, you know, when you're baptized, you're wiped clean. You don't have to go to confession before your baptism. That baptism wipes out every sin that you've done up until that point. Uh, There used to be a problem. I think I mentioned this a couple of pods ago of people would wait until the moment before they died to get baptized so they could be clean and, whoops, accidentally died. Priest got stuck in traffic and sucks. Uh, So that's just like flirting with, with, Danger. Right. Hell. Right. And going, God, I bet I won't die before I I can get baptized so I can live whatever debauchery I want to. Um, Yeah, I know the Catholic Church doesn't have, like, uh, official guidance on this, but it'd be really funny if there was a literal grace period. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And there's... there's, You got in right before the deadline, man. Hey, he was... (laughs) Yeah, and you've got your whole life to, to work this out. Yeah, and it's really, and you know, they don't have a hard, they don't uh, have that grace period because, like, the then the church would be inundated with like, man, my dad, uh, he he was just right there. It's like you know, if they don't have the hard deadline, like, everyone has an excuse. Yeah. <laughs> man, I was gonna. Like, <laughs> Saint Peter, I swear I was. Next week, it was gonna be it. Hey, hey, pull up, pull up the Google Maps on my phone. I, I had it going right to the church. Like, I googled several I just times. Just happened to get hit by an eighteen wheeler. Yeah. Um, but there. So, so the sacrament of reconciliation is okay. You've been cleaned once. Are you gonna uh, baptism? You've been cleaned once. If you took a shower today, Davis, would you never bathe again for the rest of your entire life? No. Exactly. No. So that that's okay. one of the things that reconciliation does. It's it's like going in and taking a shower after you got some grime on you. you you've gotten dirty. You were perfectly spotless and clean. Now we need to uh, remove that sin, remove that that guilt that comes upon us, uh, and and get it taken off of us. So it brings us back into God's graces where we can receive the other sacraments. 
it also brings us back into communion with the church. Because when we commit mortal sin, you know, we're all the body of Christ, but we break away from that body and say, I don't want to be part of, of Christ's church. And it makes sense. That's Depending what, on the sin, you become super rat. Right. So, so the, the, if you're, if you break the, de- basically if you have a mortal sin, that is you making an active decision to say, I don't want to be part of the church and Christ's teachings because be part of the church is to answer, answer Christ's teachings. So it's to bring you back into communion with the church as well. So you can receive the Eucharist and, and go to mass and do all those, those good things. Okay. Yeah. No, we're, we're on track now. Yeah. Again, I'm the, yeah, no, uh, in the long and the short of it is, I mean, yeah, confession is just one of the central tenets of Catholicism. That whole, like, I know it's, uh, you know, we, we do this podcast to inform people and also like to bring people to the faith. But, uh, but yeah, no, it, it's essentially just to wipe everything away. It it's, seems odd to, you know, go inside a little room with a priest and talk about your feelings and your bad stuff. But, right. And, yeah. and and let me give just like the brief, because I did challenge people to go back to confession and mass during Advent, the brief on how to do it. First things first, go to Google and find you a, a Catholic church that has confession times like listed uh, with the mass times. And they should be. Yeah. You want to... I mean, I, mean I, I don't feel like the Catholic church is like great at its web presence. It's not. But, oh, uh, it's not. But... Yeah, no, but I, I think pretty much every church at least has like some HTML page right. with uh, might be no links, no working links, or they did back in '06. Mm-hmm. But uh, but yeah, no, they should at least have the times. Right, and here's a practical tip: go to a if you go to the prettier church, like a beautiful cathedral or something, you're almost guaranteed to go into a confessional booth that has the screen where the priest can't see you. Uh, so that's always helpful. You also want to make sure you hit uh, a parish that has confession that is not like 30 minutes before mass times because the priest may oh, or may it, not be there. It's just... Yeah, and also everybody's going to be there. And everybody's going to be there. there They're going to see I don't know you. If y'all, yeah, I don't know if you remember St. Joseph's, but uh, yeah, if it was quiet in that in there, you could hear everything oh, yeah. going on in that they, confession. They luckily like, put some uh, like big old sound blockers like right next to it to keep that from happening. The, the, the stuff that we should put in both of our offices so we can actually have some decent audio for the yes. podcast. Uh, yeah. Maybe season two. But the uh, the the other thing is too, the around Advent, there's always these, most parishes have these big reconciliation events where like five or six priests come into town and you could find a priest that you've never seen before. Uh, if you just look, you, you're probably going to have to go to a parish, pick up a bulletin, or call around because it's not going to be on the website. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, definitely. But the, at those nights, there's six or seven priests. You just show up and get in whatever line you want to. And uh, my dad's personal strategy is he finds a priest. We have a lot of people that were born in India that are priests that come over to America. Uh, so he tries to find a priest that is not going to be strong in English. He comes up and says, yeah. which one of these priests is brand new to Mississippi? And I'll go, that guy. <laughs> and he goes, great. <laughs> I actually was about to say that. Like, uh, find you a, uh, 
because, I mean, Mississippi as well, and weirdly uh, Tennessee, um, has, like, a pretty pretty heavy, uh, pretty populous Hispanic population. I'd be like, same thing. I'd be like, someone who's not as great at English, and I speak decent enough Spanish to get my point across, but then you just say it all in English um, because it counts either way. Yeah. Um, because yeah. <laughs> cause the priest... Uh, the priest that's there too. He, whenever you talk to priests and you ask them what's your favorite part of of being a priest, they always, or a lot of them, they go for. I love confessions because they love giving that grace and that mercy, and that person knows that they're clean. Priests are not gonna. Or they they get to hear all the stuff that they don't get to do. They get to hear all the stuff. Well, I, that they I hope aren't doing is the, the idea. I mean, yeah. I mean, that but, uh, that's the hope. Uh, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but yeah, no. They were like, oh man, this is like my uh, this is like my uh, my reality TV. Like, <laughs> you know, what's the town of Madison, Mississippi, getting into? Well, let's go to Tuesday, let's go to the church on Tuesday at nine p.m. That, there's a couple of things too that priests always tell me is one, your sins aren't that interesting. Even if you've been a priest for six months, you've already heard it all before. Unless you're coming in and being like, "I murdered my aunt Judy because she gave me a sour look." They're not going to, and even they get that really juicy one, they've almost trained themselves to forget altogether because there is the seal of confession. A priest cannot give your, say anything about your sins or tell anybody about your sins, even to you outside of the confessional. So they will, at the best, forget your sins, or at the the worst, I guess, case scenario is they'll pretend they never heard them if they see you outside of the confessional. So they cannot uh, tell anything that's called the seal of confession. They can't say anything about your confession when you went there. They can't even say that they saw you in confession uh, as mm-hmm. part of that under pain so, of excommunication. Automatic. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? They are stripped of all their duties and excommunicated, and uh, odds are they will never come back into the church under any circumstance, that's how serious that seal is, is not a chance you can say a word. Hmm. Uh, and, and so I, I knew there was something on this and we kind of touch on like my kind of area, but, um, I knew it was something on that. I don't want to call it from the bar exam, but, uh, but yeah, uh, in the United States, uh, it's called, it's either the clergy privilege or the peace penitent privilege, which is just a fun, Fun thing to say. Yeah, no, but it's uh, mostly written in law as well, like rules of evidence. Like, so kind of like the attorney-client privilege, same mm-hmm. the priest-penitent privilege, like same concept. Uh, and yeah, no, of course, it is. it absolutely varies by state, and this is legal information, just not legal advice. I'm not your attorney. Um, sorry, I have that. I have that. This is <laughs> Colby's heard it before. But uh but yeah, no, I'm just reading off the Wikipedia. In most states, information gained within a confessional or private conf- conversation is considered privileged and may be exempted from uh, may be exempted from mandatory reporting requirements. Right, and there's there's been a lot of pushes too from I mean governments all over the world for all of history to get priests to have to say it in uh, in courts if they you know hear a confession and priests even if they give that information if they give that information even in a court where the law says hey you have to tell us automatic as communication it's over uh so many priests have gone to jail and been uh 
of over the centuries tried as accomplices because they will just not or accessories to to whatever crime was committed mm-hmm. because they will not break that seal of confession. It is the most important thing that a priest has to do. Hmm. So don't be afraid of that. They it's not going to get out there. Your sins are going to be forgiven and forgotten. Uh, so anyway, find your confession time, and then when you sit down in the confessional too, just say, even if you don't know what's going on, have your sins in your head, know what you're doing, uh, know what you're about to confess, and be like, hey, Father, it's been a long time since I've been on confession. Can you help me out? And he'll be happy to be like, well, now, tell me what's up. So, so um, and I'm, I apologize if uh, my audio is like super loud. I'm still trying to figure this out, but... uh. I'm watching the waveform and it keeps <laughs> spiking, but uh, but okay. So, given a situation like everyone's had, uh, where you go in, you say the stuff, man, I crushed that. You walk out, you get in the car, you drive home, and on the drive home, you're like, damn, I completely forgot. You know this one. What's what's the uh, What's the teachings on the that? The proper thing to do is next time you're at confession, confess it. Um, I don't know. This is not theological, but every confession I have, I always say, and any sins that I might have forgotten, because uh, I, I try to remember them all. If you're deliberate. That's, that's a real blanket statement. It is. It is. I just do it because it makes me feel better. But if you remember yeah. something, just bring it to your next confession. It's forgiven and just be like, hey, I, I forgot this one last time I was here. And, and it's fine. Uh, the big thing is, uh, is you cannot deliberately hide something from the priest. Like if you have a sin that, hey, I know this is a sin, but I don't want to confess it. Confess it. It invalidates the entire confession. So, oh yeah. Well, that's news. Yeah. Uh, had huh. had some points of that in high school where you might have <laughs> held back in confession. No, not necessarily. I'm just a, that's just kind of interesting. Like I, I could definitely see like, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, folks being uh, timid to report certain things. Reporting is, is probably a bad verb, but uh, but yeah, no. Um, but I didn't know it invalidates the whole thing. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. it it is because you're if if you go and you are deliberately hiding something. You don't have the contrite heart that you're you're looking for. You know you are are not truly confessing your sins, plural, to the priest. So so that's where that comes in. Is is you got to make sure you give everything, and then if you like, even if you come out of the confessional and you sin, you know, forty five minutes later, it's it, that's called scrupulosity. If you're still like, oh, I gotta go back to confession. I gotta go back to confession. That was one problem that uh, Martin Luther, uh, the reformer, Protestant reformer, uh, had problems with. Is he would confess a sin, walk outside, and maybe, you know, see a beautiful woman and have some thoughts in his head and be like, I gotta go back to confession. He would just like make laps, and that's not good either. And that's not the purpose of confession. For, confe- for a sin to need to come to confession, it needs to be of grave matter, so something that is is damaging to your soul, of gra- not like a little 
a white lie or something that you told to just get a person to stop talking to you or whatever. Uh, it has mm-hmm. to be something grave. It has to be done with full knowledge that it is a sin and with uh, full consent that you're doing it I hope it everyone's well. taking notes. Yes. So Yeah, the, the, get your bullet points, like... Apply them to whatever you have in your in your uh, in the bank. So if I if I murder Davis because I'm just sick of his stupid face, you know I got a good confession with that it was done. It was grave matter. It was done with full knowledge that it was wrong, and uh, of grave. We call that premeditated. Yeah, and of 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 full consent. If with I murder Davis because his. A uh, significant other has a gun to my head and to my family's head and says, if you don't do this, uh, if you don't kill him, then uh, then I will kill your entire family. Well, now some of my consent is taken out of it. It's still a sin and wrong of me to kill Davis. However, the full consent there is questionable. Yeah. No, um, and and you're you're starting to read my mind. It's almost like you've known me <laughs> known me longer than you've known your wife. Uh, but so so like yeah, I know I know we were uh, planning on getting through stuff today, but this is interesting, and I think it's uh, well, the other ones are easy that, to go through pretty quickly. So there we go. Um, so and I hate doing this, you know, because it, it's similar to the legal thing where people are like hypothetically, but still hypothetically. So I was gonna get at that right there. Is there a limit? I have a few questions and I'm going to walk mm-hmm. through them. But is there a limit to what confession can forgive? No. Confession can forgive anything. Now, okay. the the limit, and it's not a limit for whether or not you're forgiven, but to come back into communion with the church. If you were excommunicated, publicly excommunicated, Mm-hmm. before you can receive communion and come back into the church and uh, and receive the sacraments, you have to go to the bishop to relieve that excommunication. The only exception for not having to go to the uh, go to the bishop would be for an abortion or an accomplice to an abortion as well. That has been one that it does Interesting. render... We, we touched on this on the last episode. That's what I was curious about. Mm-hmm. It does render automatic excommunication. So if you uh, participate in an abortion in any way, uh, even driving somebody to the clinic, you know that is automatic excommunication. Uh, however, priests in the United States have all been given special dispensation to lift that excommunication in the confessional. So if you go to ah. confession, they'll lift that uh, <clears throat> they'll lift that uh, dispensation there. Part of that is unfortunately it is just something that's very uh, happens often in the United States. And two, our education on these kind of matters of faith and morals has been very poor. So if the I mean I mean I can see it. I mean I think most people get their religious education like at least the substantive stuff like in their teen years. Yeah. Especially as they're becoming like adults. And um this seems like a real heavy topic at Sunday school. Yeah. Like yeah, no. And and so I mean, tying into that question, um so abortion automatic excommunication, um premeditated murder. 
What is that? Not at that is not at not automatic the, excommunication. Okay, so with it that, is that seems that seems inconsistent as hell. It like, is. I mean, the con- well, because the, the difference there for the the gravity of sins is the innocence. Okay, well, but it's the again. This is not saying justified homicide. Right. This is not saying like self defense. This is, um, I see a person don't like my neighbor. Whatever, I'm gonna kill him, uh, and I do. So like that it, it also seems like there is a distinction there. There is. So there there are specific times where it is uh, it is automatic excommunication for. Uh, <clears throat> for premeditated violence or violence of any kind as well. Uh, part of that... What about silence? Silence is violence? No, silence does not count. Okay. Um, okay and, and this doesn't mean that premeditated murder doesn't incur excommunication. It's that a bishop has to be the one that excommunicates you. Because for like a premeditated murder versus abortion... So an abortion would be there's no uh, there's no like exceptions that come in that say hey this was justified on that end of it yeah no, the no that's what I'm saying so Whereas, when you say premeditated murder it it automatically means like not justified like that that's what I'm saying right it well is, so the pre comparing pre, apples to apples right here. the premeditated murder like if you premeditated to murder your neighbor or whatever there mm-hmm. are different circumstances on why that might happen. So, and and I get that comes with abortion as well, but your neighbor has given uh, has been given the chance to uh to find Christ throughout his life. Part of that as well is your neighbor neighbor might have had it coming. Not to say that that's justifiable in doing it, uh but if your neighbor's like the most innocent but, person on the planet, Mother Teresa or something. Yeah, your your bishop, either way, your bishop still can come out and say, no, this person is excommunicated for this sin. Now, the other part of this too, Davis, is that this person is not supposed to receive communion because that is a mortal sin. Correct. That is, yeah, yeah, full circle. Yeah, that is not, uh, which brings him out of communion with with the church. So that mortal sin is what effectively excommunicates him automatically just because he cannot be part of the, but it's not excommunication in the sense that he cannot come back to the sacraments until he has that lifted. Unless Mm -hmm. the bishop puts a writ out that says this person is excommunicated for this crime. But I mean, I mean, still going back to that though, but uh, talking about like, say we're using the neighbor example, but like, the, but I mean the the object of the action is not the concern. I mean because it's confession. It's what I did. The subject of the action. I did X. I did Y. Like, why should the the I guess mental state or the state of the soul matter uh, in the object of the action? Because this again, this is confession. I am confessing oh, to oh, doing why this. The ab- I'm not. I'm not like I mean it doesn't seem like there there should be uh or to be consistent it doesn't seem like there should be mitigating factors in that to an extent because I did the thing not 
I did the thing, but he deserved it. Like Right. Well, and part of that, too, is what is more of the reason why abortion was singled out versus a, a like this murder is because that was a specific problem that was happening in the world that needed to be addressed, whereas premeditated murder wasn't something that's just so common that it's it's popped up i mean it i mean you can argue it's a big part of human history that's true it's kind of the most consistent that is true um but but that's part of uh just part the church responds to like when we when we're having these podcasts we're talking about a lot of stuff that is defined and definite in the church because yeah, yeah. we, I mean, maybe one day we'll get to, hey, what do you think of this document that said X, Y, or Z? But we're not doing that. We're doing stuff that is clearly defined by the Catholic Church. The Catholic Church doesn't clearly define nearly uh, scratch the surface on these matters. Of yeah. faith. They give the framework and you have to fit it within that. Which is, which is why, like, I, like I don't like getting too too far into like the uh, hypotheticals because they do get incredibly fact specific. But I'm curious about this as well. But like, I mean, I understand that. Um, so, so let me ask you this: Is it like, uh, is it kind of a clarification that might be coming, say, in the future? Like, again, it's it is the capital C, capital C, the Catholic Church, um, like. Because that seems like a, a fairly relevant distinction, though it is quite niche. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. No. Like a, any sort of equivalence on that. Would yeah. It that certainly. It certainly could at one point. Like if, um, like if we got to the next major council of the church and they said, okay, uh, abortion's just not something that happens. It just that's mm-hmm. been solved as a problem when they write. Well, well, absent any sort of medical. Um, or like spontaneous, like reason for the the body to reject said fetus, like yeah, right, 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 and that that's yeah. I mean that's its own thing. That's we won't even go down that rabbit hole. But um, you know, if that's not a uh, if that's not something that's rampant throughout the world, they're not even going to address it. It's just going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, fair point. They're, like the church as a whole isn't about to like just examine and, and issue doctrine on like. Every random hypothetical right. pitched by Joe Bob and, and Jim. Well, and just like uh, I forgot what episode we did indulgences on, they addressed indulgences on the Council of Trent because <clears throat> because, because hey, there happened. was a a Protestant Reformation that happened, and we need to address these specific things. So, and that this was part of the Code of Canon Law that came out in 1983 uh, that John Paul II was overseeing and said, hey, this needs to be addressed because uh, it it. Even today, it's very confusing because you got the secular world saying, hey, this is fine. This is something that's normal and, and should be celebrated. Where when Catholic teaching completely contradicts that, it has to be addressed by the bishops because gotcha. their their job is to lead the flock in the right direction. So, gotcha. so there's... I'm oh, sorry, go ahead. No. I have my, uh, my, my final bit. Um, so, like, no, I mean, that makes sense. Um, and like you said, I mean, again, on this podcast, we could go down so many rabbit holes with this, but like for the sake of brevity, we'll let up. Um, but so like the final hypothetical I, I want to pitch at you, and you mentioned it earlier, um, is something I'm curious about. So like we're talking about homicide and unjustified versus justified, justified homicide. Uh, so 
we're using an example. Some breaks in the house. They have a gun. Uh, they threaten my family. We're, this is the fact pattern we were using. They come to my house, have a gun. They audibly threaten my family, and I gun that person down. Um, one, I'm not going to feel bad about that at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, two, well, you know, maybe, maybe down the line to my therapist, but like morally, uh, I'm not going to feel bad about taking that life. Is that a sin in this context? Like, I feel like there's no moral wrong. Now, granted, it is against, like, you know, one, I forget which number of the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. But, uh,. How how is this addressed in like the confession context? Uh, you wouldn't bring that confession, like there really? that that would be, uh, like the Catholic Church recognizes that the world is not black and white, you know, when it mm-hmm. comes to because of the fall there is gray. I mean, there's something in in the Catholic Church called just war theory. Like there there's times to go to war. What? Yeah. Oh, you'll love that one. <laughs> Oh, that might talking be the about, talking about the Crusades earlier. Like, yeah, I'm sure they say that. They, like. There's a well, that might be season opener to season two, but <laughs> but just war theory. It's one of my favorite things to like talk about as we go through different wars. But like, was this does this live up to just war theory or and everything like that? But anyway, there. Yeah. But because there is times where yes, you got to go to war against a mm-hmm. rival clan or army or what have you uh, for to protect the sanctity of life. So that, that is, there are circumstances where what would be a sin if you just did it isn't a sin because of the circumstances it happens. That's one thing that I've noticed lawyers in particular that are Catholic have a hard time grasping uh, just because they're you're so used to saying, okay, here's what the law says, so we have to go by this. The Catholic Church has a lot of, like, uh, intent means a lot in yeah. every bit of the Catholic well, faith. Well, I mean, I, I'll I'll refute that. I mean, immediately, um, but not against <laughs> True you. Don't lawyer. worry. Uh, no, no, no. But like the whole, if the law meant what it said, uh, lawyers wouldn't exist as a job. Right. Like, you can say, okay, like so, like, can we give an example? Like, law says the sky is blue. Cool. What shade of blue counts? When it starts bleeding into, like, you know, the different color spectrum. No. Now, the lawmakers didn't, you know, have the the wavelengths of blue in the thing. So it's the lawyer's job to, like, argue, argue that subjectivity right. to find those lines. And, the, again, that's what we talk about. It's kind of like my purpose here is to kind of find those lines, find a ferret that out. But, like, I think especially over 2,000 years of, you know, history – and an ever-changing populace that uh, that those lines, re- I mean, really aren't defined well. Or, like, a- again, it it kind of depends. Let, let, right. my and well, lawyer answer. It depends. That's also like, why we have bishops that tend to local matters, and we have priests that... Yeah. Because a situation that happens in Jackson, Mississippi the action itself might be the same that happens in the Philippines, but mm-hmm. you know, there's different, we live different lifestyles. There's a different way of doing things. The framework's still the same. Good and evil is still the same. Right and wrong is still the same. It's, can we get to the heart of it and figure out exactly what's going on? So, so don't beat yourself up. If you do have a question and you're going to confession and you're like, 
I don't know if this is a sin. If it is, I want to confess it, but, you know, I don't know. The priest, he might just, like, go whatever and absolve it anyway if you're worried about it. Or he might just even go, that wasn't a sin, don't worry about it. I've had a priest come to me before whenever I was still figuring all this out, and he's just like, that's not a sin. Don't worry about that. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. So... Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, and, and I can't believe I just had that example of like the sky is blue <laughs> and just walked past the thou shalt not kill. Like, <laughs> that would have been so much of a better example. I mean, what does kill mean? <clears throat> like, uh, like uh, what? Shall not kill. What? Kill what? Yeah. And, like, and I've killed a lot of grass. God, like, <laughs> that's the other thing, too, is God's not a lawyer up there be like, did he say the exact word? You know, he is. His goal is to give us mercy through the confession. You say that. You say that until we get up there and Saint Peter's the prosecutor. Well, and if that's the case too, then and and you people listened to me. You're not culpable for that. I am. Whatever I get to heaven, and, and <laughs> you just say Colby said this, and whenever I get there, it'd be like Saint Peter, go. Did you tell them that I wasn't taking extreme notes here? Sorry, Saint is Peter. It, is that is that how we get? Is that how we? like grow our listener base is just so that we, <laughs> we uh we're taking the heat if you rely on anything to we say to your detriment i mean it, like, it is something that crosses my mind of oh i better watch what i say because i know that saint peter is uh is saint peter's notes. got two lists so he's got two lists one with the normal list and the other is just like ah well that's that's we'll talk about that with colby and davis <laughs> talk about that one with colby and davis like, uh all right. Well, if if you're good on confession, uh, so for the sake of time, let's you want to dig into the other last three sacraments. Yeah, let's do okay. it. I'm out of hypotheticals <laughs> to really deal. rack your brain about. Um, <laughs> all right. So the so that was the sacrament of confession. Again, go to it if you haven't been in a while. It's awesome. Uh, the next would be the anointing of the sick. Uh, this is something that colloquial colloquial shoot up. Colloquially, oh my God! I butchered that word. To... Yeah, most oh of God. us have heard. It's something that Colby's kids need. <laughs> most of us have, yes, uh, have heard it as last rites. That's what we commonly remember, think of it as. But it's not necessarily last rites. That is something I didn't know. So, so it's it got a little bit of a rebrand because, again, like baptism, people were waiting too long to receive the sacrament. And it does need to be a sacrament ah. that you kind of wait until you got life or death on the on the table. But if you are about to start cancer treatment and you're 35 years old, you need to get uh, you get the sacrament of the sick, anointing of the sick, uh, on that chance that you're you're passed. But also as something to heal you physically as well. Um, that is something that. Uh, it is used as a way to heal you spiritually so that you might have the strength. Maybe you do get healed physically as well. Uh, so, But you get anointed with oil. Uh, part of it is like the confession. You receive the Eucharist. Uh, it's kind of wrapped up all in one. But the, that when you hear of somebody who is uh, like you and I know a deacon in, uh, in our old church that he has received every sacrament. That's not something most people do because most people don't get married and become get holy orders. But he also, at one point, uh, 
had a disease where he needed the sacrament of the sick, anointing of the sick. So, oh, I remember that. Yeah. So he's he's gotten yeah, bingo. Pray, dang- pray dangerously. <laughs> uh, so so that's a little inside joke on the podcast that like. If they listen, like a good eight people are going to get that. <laughs> so, so this is something that a uh, a priest gives to you is the the sacrament of the sick. It is a gift of the Holy Spirit. It brings you into to unity with Christ's passion, uh, and kind of lifts up those sufferings that you're going through to to God and and say, hey, I, I give these for uh, the intention of my soul. So that's part of the sacrament of the sick. You don't have to know anything about it. You just have to know, hey, if you're about to die or you're in a life or death situation, call a priest and let them get there to give you the sacrament because that's also one way that you know that you're going to waltz right into heaven uh, where you can have that confidence that, hey, I did everything right here. So so I actually, like, you know, as I tend to do, if y'all can't hear me, uh, tippity tapping in a way on my keyboard when Colby talks. But, uh, but yeah, no, I looked it up as well. Um, it, at least on Wikipedia, it seems like you at least have to have a danger of death. Yes. Yes. You have to have a danger of death. So, so yeah, no, um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Proximate danger of death, um, is not required, but only the onset of a medical condition of serious illness or injury or simply old age. It is not a sacrament uh, for those only who are at the point of death. Hence, as soon as uh, any one of the faithful begins in danger of death from sickness or old age, the fitting time for him to receive this sacrament has certainly already arrived. So, like, now, I mean, is that kind of loosely interpreted? Like, you know, if I get the flu, hell, I could die. Like, yeah, it, it, it depends on the priest, unfortunately, on these things. Say, I, I, I bet they had a hell of a time with COVID. I had a like, uh, I had a priest that he gave sacrament of the sick to somebody who was going in for knee surgery, and they were 23 years old. Because, you know, something could go wrong, so... I mean, defend, define knee surgery, because, like, again, like, I mean, if it's a knee replacement, that's it, a ballgame. It was I not mean, a that, knee replacement, a, it was... It was I forgot what happened, but but it is something that should uh, it it has to be life or death. And uh, one thing I didn't uh, part of part of the rebranding from the last rites is people thought you could only get it once. You can receive the anointing of the sick uh, if the illness worsens or if you fall ill again. I didn't know that. That was something that I learned recently just reading the catechism is that you you, you don't have to, you can receive it more than once. Uh, but it is, you know, that's a big deal because the idea too is, hey, you've made it to the end. You've persevered. You were relying on Christ through everything. Uh, and it, it kind of bonds you there to, hey, I'm, I'm ready to go and sealed. And it's like getting that last bit of duct tape on the package before you send it off to, to its final destination. Well, that generally I'm the one to make the analogies, but uh, okay, uh, yeah, no, uh, I mean, I, I have some comment about like folks who are kind of like in and out of a coma. Oh, actually, that that was it. Um, someone's in a coma. Can they still get it? Nope. They have to be a w- lucid. lucid and aware. Le- they have to know they're res- lucid. They have to be able to execute a will. Right. So, so you could receive it. 
say you're on your deathbed and you just really don't have any motion at all, the priest can still come and give it and, uh, you know, be like blink if you understand what's happening or what have you there, uh, and still go through the ritual of the sacrament of the sick. However, it depends on whether or not the person's participating in it. So the sacram sacraments have to be participate. You have to participate to receive the sacrament. Yeah, you have to uh, like have free will. Right, is what you're right. Yeah, same, yeah. same like in no, confession. That's one reason because we because can't at a certain point, on, I mean, like Zoom is because you don't know if somebody's oh. forcing you to do the confession. About, they have to be in person. You can't be forced to receive a sacrament. If somebody, I mean, a big part of my childhood was being forced to confession because technically I couldn't drive and my parents drove me there. Yes, I mean, they, they, my God, if I had to drive, if they had to drive me to to the church in town, like from out where we lived, that twenty twenty five minute drive, and I didn't go to confession. I mean, there was definitely coercion. Yes. Like, well, and then the the, there's sense. where the also the gray area comes a little bit into it, too, of you could have just gone to the confessional and not said anything or whatever. Uh, you know, that comes part of it. If you're a, uh, you know, you're going to mass with your mom, but you're a flaming atheist, but you know mom's watching on whether or not you're taking the Eucharist, you know, d it still count, does it? You know, that's where that gray area comes in as well there, so... Uh, yeah, you gotta be you gotta be a participant in the uh, anointing of the sick. The yeah, I, and uh, I don't know if you're uh, about to hop into the next one, but I wanted to make the point, um, at least via Wikipedia, um, where it says uh, in the Catholic Church the anointing of the sick of the sick, also known as extreme unction. Yes. Don't ask me uh, to explain what, that on why it's extreme we want to talk, unction, I mean, but. I mean, if we want to talk about, like, some rebranding, <laughs> put it as that. Like, ah, man, I'm having a real rough time with this cancer, but I'm about to go get extreme with it. Uh, that's one of the... Uh, that, that's one of those things where, where the bishops did not change what is true and what is right, but rebranding is okay <laughs> to make sure people understand what's going on. You say that as someone with a marketing degree with such confidence. <laughs> and I really hope that the uh, the microphone just picked up that boop from that <laughs> bottle. <laughs> you just did. Uh, all right. So the last two, uh, one of them is uh, holy orders. Holy orders is the ordination of a priest or a deacon. Uh, there is a rite that comes with it, a ritual that comes with it, uh, and we'll, we won't dive too deep into this because priestly uh, celibacy and and deacons and priests and you know we did go into that a little bit of of the hierarchy in the hierarchy of the church episode. But uh, as far as what constitutes a holy order, it is priests, deacons, bishops. The if you wait, what no, not archbishops, cardinals, or Popes? They're already ordained. No, Pope Pope would be ordained. The holy. You, say, you sound like you're assuming. I mean, does the Pope have to be ordained in Catholic law? Yes. So as soon as the Pope, because the Pope can be any Catholic male on the planet. Mm, so there's a chance. There's a chance. However, they must be ordained when they become Pope. 
So they have okay. to be ordained a priest and then a bishop. Okay. So if, if you were to drag Joe Schmo, and I'm not sure if they have to be unmarried. That's the We don't have to talk about Joe Schmo. Let's use Davis Pig as an example. Davis like, Pig right now could be uh, elected pope, then ordained uh, priest, and then ordained bishop, and then become the pope. Assume the I'm starting. The pope. I'm starting my campaign. We're gonna do a write in. <laughs> now the thou. I'm not really sure if uh, Colby Mitchell because I'm married. If I could, because it is in the the pope is in the Roman rite and in the Roman rite right now. Uh, Priests cannot be married. I don't know. That's we'll do a priestly why priests don't get married episode. I think that's on the list that Janice has for us uh, of things she wants to hear. And here's the uh, the per podcast uh, <laughs> shout out the listener to, to Janice. Yeah, Janice, our our producer of content. <laughs> Honestly, I'm technically the producer because I do the audio, but hell, if somebody else wants to Content do it, production is what she off- does. <laughs> we're accepting offers. Uh, yeah. But anyway, that so so that is something that uh, if you see a nun, not ordained. That is one of the sacraments that only men can obtain. Uh, so it and it involves something that is passed down from the bishops, uh, which were the twelve apostles, the original apostles yeah. gave to the bishops. The bishop said, this is a lot of work. Let's ordain some deacons as well. And so that's part of the holy orders as well. It involves laying on the hands of a bishop onto the other bishop's head or the priest's head, uh, some holy oil that comes along with it. Uh, But because it's the same as in marriage, your soul changes. You have fulfilled your vocation. There's an indelible mark on your soul that says you are a priest forever. So in heaven... You're going to see people that have a different mark, and they're going to be priests. That is something that that will happen. Kind of like gang tattoos in prison. Yes, that's astute observation there, Davis. Yeah, straight up. You'd be like, oh, okay, you know. (laughs) Go in, he has a a crown on him. He was part of the Latin Kings. Like, Yes, exactly. Uh, You you say that with a smug face, but I... I stand by I, that analogy. I mean, like, I agree on the logic of it. You just, you're just balking at like someone just, Latin, the Latin kings to the holy orders. It, it is like it is great. Thank you. I hate it. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like, but I, 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 I stand by. I am a hundred percent correct here. Like, yes. if it's an indelible mark, boom, tattoo. There you go. Uh, and and I forgot to mention this as well. I mentioned it at the front end. These uh, holy orders and matrimony, those, these are sacraments at the service of communion. So the idea is these help us live more perfectly our, our lives in the faith and grow us closer to God and grow us closer, closer to uh, our community and, and the people we are in communion with at the Eucharist. So it is, it is these sacraments, the sacraments of holy orders and matrimony, that's really like the living out of the life. So you have the sacraments of initiation where you're born into the faith, you have the sacraments of healing that keep you ship shape and, and ready to go. And then you have the sacraments of communion uh, to the service of communion, which bring you closer to fulfill that life uh, in Christ that you are, are heading out on. Hmm. Now, that makes sense. Um, I'm sure I have a question in there about the uh, 
the secular versus the Catholic, uh, Catholic versus the religious uh, version of like marriage. Um, well, and that that does get us to to marriage as well. So the ma- okay, yeah. No, I don't have a lot on holy orders. Yeah, holy orders. Like, it, if you're thinking I mean, about becoming a priest, you know it already, and you're probably not listening to this podcast. Yeah, no, holy orders is just straight up like becoming a priest. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm, there's a lot of education involved and and some touching of the hands, but like past that, it's boom. Yeah, you're a priest. You're a priest. It's a sacrament in the Catholic Church. Yeah. So uh, marriage is the uh, the last one that we'll mention as well. This uh, is an institution that is is something that is created by Christ by making man and woman. So he made uh, man and said, this ain't it, look at this dude. He needs something else. Uh, and he created woman. And he created woman from uh, Adam's side. He didn't... If he had created the woman from his head, the woman would be above the man. If he had created the woman from Adam's toe, the woman would be below the man. So he took the rib from Adam's side so that these two creatures walk hand in hand. So they are... Yeah, that seems like it's uh, delving into that pretty deep. That does get deep into the theology of it, but... Uh, no, no, I'm not talking about deep. In the, I'm saying it's a reach, like, like, like. Oh. oh, he took that. He took the rib because it was because it was by his side. Not saying that like there were only two feet and one head. Like if he took the head, uh, you know, it's useless. But you got freaking what, fifteen some odd ribs? I don't know. I'm not a doctor. Well, well, I'm a I'm a doctor of the law. Priests, but priests and bishops have. S- figured it out a lot more eloquently than I just delved it out right there. But that that's the men and women are created to be complementary, not to be like man lording over the, the women or women lording over the, the men on those. Well, there's a lot of marriage vows that would disagree with you there, Colby, not Catholic marriage <laughs> vows, but marriage vows. So real marriage, uh, non, not real okay, marriage okay, vows. Okay. There you okay. Go. Uh, it's all valid in the eyes of the law, but uh, and also I want to uh, take this moment to dispel this myth because I heard it as a kid coming up that men have one less rib than women. <laughs> um, we're stepping we're stepping away from the religious side of this podcast. We're talking about pure medical fact. Uh, men have the same number as ribs as women. Like, I don't know why. Uh, did you hear that as well? Like, No, I, I so never like, heard that. And I went oh to Protestant God. school as a kid. Oh, I heard it all the time. But, like, uh, as, like, you know, uh, it you know, might have just been a kid thing, just talking out their ass. But, uh, but like, supposed to be like, oh, yeah, actually men have one less rib than women. Therefore, the creation myth of Christianity is correct. Um yeah, no. Uh, look elsewhere. Like, so if anyone still has that belief, look elsewhere for your uh, validation. <laughs> Catechesis. For, for, yeah, your validation for uh, Adam and Eve, because yes. that ain't it. Oh, uh, well, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's great. Uh, but marriage is one of those things that is, is integral to who we are as human beings. 
it is something that God created and man and woman to, to come together and become one flesh, and that is what happens in the sacrament of matrimony. Uh, that is something that the idea is that we're working together as one family to build us closer to heaven. That is also one thing that one of the reasons Catholics just fight so much for marriage and for families and things like that is because that is uh, the greatest institution in getting people to heaven, bringing people closer to God, uh, and... And getting a lot of Catholic babies. Getting a lot, I mean, building warriors for, for the fight against evil and bringing them close to God. Because the more Catholic families there are that raise their Catholic families well, the more people that are going to be in heaven and celebrating with, with Christ. So that's one thing I, that... Ireland has one hell of a Catholic army. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's something that uh, is... is central to the the catholic lifestyle is having a family and everything centering around the catholic family life uh, because it brings us closer to christ it brings us closer to the eucharist um so and and we probably won't until season four or five when we're really established get into the details of of you know why catholic teaching is man and woman and and why you're called to have as many kids and contraception is not allowed and all that jazz. Uh, I'm too tired to go into that. And Davis doesn't want to hear it right now for all that. I'm sure as well. We definitely don't have the time because I'm definitely, that's one thing, uh, you know, we talk about my role on the podcast, or at least I joke about my role in the podcast, but at least I'd like to think I'm thorough. Like we're like, you can't just say a statement like a, a truism, like the mm-hmm. this is the truth. No, I'm gonna call you on that shit. Like, which is, and that seems like life for for me to talk. Oh, about. it certainly <laughs> is. That's a, why I don't have the energy right now. And that is one of the things. You know, I uh, we talked about this a little bit after our last episode of of me insulting the listeners, uh, whether it be intelligently or emotionally, or how how what have you. Um, but the the reason I speak the way I do. Uh, is just because I, because I'm Catholic and I'm convinced that this is the one true church and and is the capital T truth, I'm going to speak like it is. Uh, and part of that, whenever because uh, I, I teach apologetics, uh, which is just defense of the faith to other Catholics around the Jackson area and stuff like that, I give these proclamations that I don't get pushback because people are learning from me that are already Catholic. That's one thing that I hope to, that I'm trying to grow in while I talk is, oh, somebody's thinking this is something that's weird or uncalled for or what have you uh, when it comes to the faith. And Davis helps me figure out, okay, no, people are thinking this. And I don't even, I mean, whenever I'm thinking about it, I just don't even think about, oh, somebody would have this objection. Because to me, I've already accepted it as truth. and And there's a certain point where like, you know, I've also been raised Catholic, so there's that uh, that caveat there. But again, like, I like to think I'm pretty objective, but I also like learning about a lot of yeah. this. And like, there's a uh, one of my favorite quotes, uh, and of course it's one of my favorite clo- quotes because I'm a lawyer. Uh, but is that like if you have a, say you have a strongly held belief, if that strongly held belief does not hold up to any amount of criticism can you really truly call it a strongly held belief? Mm -hmm. Like 
if you can't defend it, how truly do you believe it? Or like, or you just believe it at a surface level with no critical thought to it. So yeah, that's largely what I do. Yeah. And I, and that's one thing I've kind of, well, I've I've been reading different saints and saints that are not, uh, doctors of the church or people who know everything saints that are described in the the prayer books as simpletons that don't necessarily know everything uh <laughs> you gotta you gotta love that lead off in the wikipedia like he was a simple man <laughs> uh, <laughs> right so the kicker is they're saints in heaven they could not have out debated a lutheran that is well versed in their faith today but they still had faith and they're in heaven now and it didn't harm them to where you know where you're saying if you can't defend it how well do you hold those beliefs they still hold them but they don't they're different from you and me where they don't have to rely on that everything's been figured out in their heads well yeah they're dead yeah but they were also not dead on earth and lived a holy life and were challenged on it and they're like hmm, Christ said it was this way so I'm going to believe that and that's perfectly fine yeah. too it doesn't fly for me and you because that's just not yeah, the brains yeah. we are. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, um, no, uh, like, you know, I'm obviously, I guess, I guess maybe I think outside my objective mindset. And if we're using the, like the not uh, information age, you know? Yeah. Well, like, you know, what, folks <laughs> have information out there, like challenge your beliefs. That's what makes them stronger. Yeah. And, if, and if they fold, then... You just became more educated, and now you can, like, yeah. Yeah. What I'm trying to say is it's okay if if that's not your style. Like, if you're listening to this podcast right now and you're like, there's no way I ever want to have a conversation with anybody about these things or defend it, but I know it's but true. That's why we're here to talk about it. <laughs> we're we're going to try to educate you, but don't, you know, don't feel like if you can't stand up in a fight that you're not a good Catholic or that these the faith is not real. That's just... You know, you're not your personality. Yeah, you don't have to have a law degree to be a good <laughs> Catholic. Like, right. yeah, you don't have to cross-examine everyone you come across and alienate all of your personal yes. relationships to be a good Catholic. Right, leave that to me. <laughs> no, leave it. Leave that to Colby to say and then me to cross-examine. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, uh, and I, I, will, I will leave, I, I do, did want to answer this question, the distinction between secular and religious marriage. So, like... I'd, oh, I'd love to hear question. your thoughts on this, um, just because you know we went on a big tangent there. But um, but like, obviously, so marriage is a originally a spiritual thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you didn't get tax benefits when Jesus was alive for being married. <laughs> um, I assume I, I'm not. I'm assuming story. too. I don't know exactly. Um, but marriage today is also. I mean, it's it serves a dual role. Straight up, like. A lot of people get married for taxes. There's an Aziz Ansari bit where he's like, you know, how weird was that? Like, you know, back in the day, be like, hey, you should be with me forever, for life. Why? Tax benefits. You're right. Like, it's that. But but that's what it is. Like, a lot of people get married legally before they get married in the church. And what is what are your thoughts there and what are the distinctions? Right. So, so the way for a marriage to be uh, a sacramental marriage... Again, it has to be done with full consent. Like, you understand. That also means, like, there, there is... So, in the Catholic Church, if you get married, you can't just get divorced. That is not something that is allowed. 
Uh, spiritually, spiritually, right. I mean, and, you can do it legally and, and, all day, right? In the in the in the Catholic and and for these purposes, I don't care at all about the legal aspect of it. It is purely the what is how dare you spiritual and what is an actual marriage because mm-hmm. legal legalese has nothing to do with whether or not you're spiritually married. Now, I, I the Catholic I disagree with your dismissal tone, but I'll leave well, you it can at disagree that. with my tone. Now, I will say this. If you are married in a developed country that does recognize marriage as a uh, as a legal institution, right, you have to get the legal documentation. So it is uh, that's one of the reasons why the Catholic Church had such objections to same sex marriage in the United States is because it was recognized by the government as a legal in- institution. If it wasn't, like the Catholic Church liked that there was a, such a thing as civil unions. Uh, before there was same-sex marriage because there was some leeway there where you could... Interesting. That seems like something they fought for a long time. Yes. I mean, it, it, it's all just yeah. a mess, and it's it's part of the church just being like, Again, what do we do with this? Again, come back at season five. <laughs> <laughs> when we're more comfortable with these topics. But anyway, um, with with the marriage, it has to be done with full consent. A vow, in fr- a vow in front of the eyes of God that you're going to be with them unconditionally uh, until death do you part. Uh, so, so that is something, if you're a Catholic and you get married in the Catholic Church, say your wife was hiding $100,000 in debt from you before you got married. That would be grounds for an annulment because it wasn't done. You weren't getting married in full consent. Uh, with ah, with so person. so like like a material thing that would have influenced a reasonable person to right. Sorry, I just broke that. Oh God, oh man, that legal stuff is deep in my brain. Well, I mean, like, it, it makes just, sense there because because especially annulments, yeah. annulments are very when it when it comes down to whether or not you're going to get one, it is very legalese with the the well, yeah, process. Well, well, that's interesting to me. I always thought that. Um, Annulments were pretty much only granted because there was no consummation. No, annulments are granted for for those kind of reasons where you didn't have full consent to what was going on. Um, Like, one of the things would even be that this was on the extreme ends of it, but I can't remember what country or what period it was, but there was a point where, hey, this, this, uh, this woman who's going to marriage is going to be go to a room with a bunch of other women and strip naked and make sure there's no deformities with her before she gets married because that was part of the consent part of it. Uh, that's not something that happens today. But if you were, let's just say you're a dude that's getting married, that's uh, pretending to be a woman, that, that'd be grounds for annulment as well. And an annulment, like if you're a lady boy out of uh, the Philippines or something like that, to get a little spicy here, and you got married to that person, you know, that's that's something that uh, would be grounds for an annulment because you didn't have full consent of what was happening at the moment. Gotcha. Yeah. No. So. Oh, God, I'm, I'm struggling to break it down the layman's terms, but like essentially a material representation that you relied upon to your detriment. Right. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the literal legal, like how they generally handle contractual stuff like that but like that's where it kind of ties into and that's my question that's where it ties into the secular part of marriage where it's like an actual material 
thing that uh, you thought was a part of that agreement going into it, but that wasn't the case when you got into it. Right. Or, yeah. or like if your your husband was an alcoholic and you didn't know that before, they they just were very good at hiding that part of themselves from you. So the no oh, wow, so it, go, it goes all the way to there. Yeah, um, I mean it. It the the annulments are a lot looser than people think they are. They think they're very tight, which is, I think, a good thing because it makes sure that you very well know what you're getting into before you get married. Um, but it is a uh, it is something that that makes a difference. Is if if you were hiding part of who you were before you got married. You know that's 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 grounds for annulment. An annulment, really, all it means is there was no sacrament that took place. An annulment doesn't dissolve the marriage. It means that no marriage took place in the first place. Yeah, no, it's the the literal meaning of the the phrase null and void. Is that not that like you were owed? Oh God, I'm I'm so sorry. This is heavy legal today. But it's not that like you're owed compensation for it happening. It's like it literally never happened. Yeah. Like, it's not like setting people back to like, okay, you get X for your trouble, you get X for your trouble. It's straight up like, it's just like it didn't happen. Right. And there and there's always like, if, it, if you got an annulment, but you had three kids together, you know, that's something that you still have to deal with. It's not like, oh, you got your annulment, screw those kids, it doesn't matter anymore. You know, there, there's still... Yeah. Again, life's not black and white. There's gray areas, and you got to do your best mm-hmm. to to apply the framework that the church has given us to these kind of situations. So, uh, yeah, the the annulment process it, it is strict in the sense of if you, with full knowledge, got married to this person, you can't just be like, ah, I fell out of love, so I got to get out of this. No, there there's definitely stipulations that have to and circumstances that have to have happened for you to get to that annulment, but it's not impossible. Yeah. One of these days I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and make a, a podcast shout out, like a request open. Um, if there's a Vatican lawyer that wants to come on this. Canon lawyer. Canon lawyer. Uh, if there's a Canon lawyer that wants to come on and let me grill him. I'd love it. I actually, I might can set you up with that. You just, oh, you have me the bro. the questions that you're you're wanting to dive into, and and we'll get them on there. Because here's the kicker: absolutely not. No, I want to come in fresh. I don't want them prepared. I just want to know that you have questions. What like oh, I, like like like? I, I'm not going to give them, with me. I'm not going to give them to him. I just want you to be prepared where you know what questions you're about to ask as it comes through. But I'll, I I think I can Ooh. track down a canon lawyer that's uh, well spoken enough that could come on here and and let you grill him, cross examine the witness. Oh, oh, I don't, I don't think uh, well spoken's a requirement. Have you heard my accent? Uh, I mean, doesn't crumble uh, in an awkward. Sense. I'm obviously because most I'm obviously not a trial lawyer. Like, <laughs> well, yeah. well, I'm just saying most canon lawyers are going to be massive nerds, which thank God for them. But you got to find a, mean, a nerd that can actually hold a conversation. I guess. Is, I mean, I'll I'll make a blanket statement as one of them that like most lawyers are nerds. Like, right. That's why we became that we love words and nerding out about stuff, and that's why 
partially why I enjoy this podcast. Yeah. Like, yeah, I get to know about that. But uh, that's a great, like, teaser that we can just leave <laughs> season on. Season two. Be like, oh, season two. We're going to, one of these days we're going to get a lawyer that's, uh, or a canon lawyer that's uh, fine with coming on this small to regional <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Mainly our families and the random yeah. dudes I know on Twitter. Exactly. Um, but yeah, so anyway, this, this will be the last episode until, uh, until January. Uh, so leaving you with that again, I really hope that you're able to make it a confession into mass over the Advent and Christmas season. It's, it's just the best time of the year to go back to church. Uh, and then on, it looks like the second, uh, January 2nd will be the next time we talk to you, but. Uh, we've learned our mistakes, and we've learned what works as far as these last 11 episodes have gone. So hopefully season two, uh, when we tell people, hey, you should listen to our podcast, just start on season two is probably what it will uh, wind up being. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I, you know, I've enjoyed the heck out of doing this, and I'm excited that we're, we're going to keep going because uh, not only do I, I hope it helps the listeners as it goes through, but even if we were just talking to the walls right now, it helps me as far as making sure I, I know what my faith is and, and can defend it. And if I don't know something, I, I can go figure out the answer. So I've enjoyed the heck out of it. And I'm glad we're glad we're on this track. Exactly. And the way Colby just ended that, this is not the end. No, like, no, we're, we're going to keep going. Oh my going. God. It's like you were laying this podcast to rest. Like, well, I'm relaying all the stupid mistakes we've made up to this point to rest, and we're. Gonna... I mean, a lot of them have been audio quality based, but uh, <laughs> a lot of that has been resolved by like Davis one getting a new microphone. We're still working on like getting it half decent, but but yeah, again during this time period, I mean, it's gonna be a bit of a, bit of a dead period. I'm specifically talking to you, Janice. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Go to mass. You know, You'll get it there. You'll get what yeah, you're yeah. looking for at Mass. The original podcast, the originally <laughs> weekly podcast is church. Like, exactly. No, uh, but but again, um, at any time during this period, or any time generally, please feel free to reach out if y'all have suggestions, comments, concerns, uh, criticisms, kind of. Uh, if it's, like, too harsh, I'm going to ignore it. But uh, We're very delicate. To- Exactly. Yeah, I have a delicate constitution, but feel free to reach out at uh, piouspig at gmail.com. Uh, we'd appreciate your feedback. Uh, and yeah, we'll, uh, we'll holler at y'all come the new year. Happy Advent and Merry Christmas, and we will see you in 2023. That we will. See y'all. Peace.